Hey guys, welcome to the Industry Pulse with Pwn. My name is Adam Ponophobia Cogswell, your host as always. And I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to jump right into this. I've got an awesome guest this week. Mark Register from The Warriors joins me. Mark, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm great. Uh, I'm glad that you... Thank you so much for joining me. We interviewed Sam, who uh, you work with, I'm assuming daily or weekly, right? Yeah, I like Sam. Yeah, I do too. Sam's great. You <laughs> <go back as> well. <laughs> uh, and, and he put me in contact with you. And so I'm just going to let you talk about what you do currently, and then we'll jump into the you know meat and potatoes of the podcast. Sure. Yeah, I uh, work with the Golden State Warriors, uh, specifically with Golden Guardians for their esports team, and I work with uh, three other video people, and we make video content, um, a bunch of different series: Golden Age, Mother Load, um, uh, a couple other series. I'm not not allowed to talk about, uh, generally speaking. And our job is to basically just kind of tell the story of our team, our brand, our values, uh, but also just make engaging content, um, build uh, relationships with our players, and showcase them and um, yeah, build stuff that we're proud of and hopefully the byproduct is people watch it with the second part we're still working on, but the first part we're pretty happy with. Isn't that the hardest part about this all? I, I think <laughs> you had said it before this, you gotta be, you know, insane to do this because you just gotta love what you do. And it's the same thing here. I'm just like, just listen to my stuff. I'm trying to throw it as many people. Just listen. I swear it's worth your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And I think there's the truth of finding traction. And I think um, as long as you're willing to kind of pivot and see, you know, I can get more traction here or there, it's important. But also, I think there are certain things in which that you do take long-term bets in which that you don't really get the return until a long period of time afterwards. And that's scary. And so I think a lot of people in esports um, – they kind of they, they pivot a lot of times into doing different things of, you know, video or hosting or, uh, you know, analyst or whatever it is. But ultimately, they kind of have this through line of uh, some might call it tenacity. Other people call it stupidity, <laughs> stubbornness, um, but just kind of going towards that general goal of really wanting to work with a bunch of, you know, great people and producing products that we're all proud of. So um, different people have different journeys, but I think um, it, it's a blend of stubbornness but being adaptable to finding the right traction to help you get to where you want to go I, I i agree with that and i like that a lot um i find myself doing that as you know a 10-year content creator sometimes you just kind of have to pivot in another direction or change things just a little bit to get somebody to, to you know hold on to what you're doing and maybe your original goal isn't actually what is going to make people listen but eventually yeah. you'll find your voice right I mean, at first, I remember I was going to be a baseball player, and then I was sure of that. And then I was going to be, you know, a filmmaker, and then I was going to be, uh, you know, a musician. I was going to be a touring musician, and then I was going to be an actor. And to be fair, like, I've done a lot of those things, and I've been really fortunate enough to do them at a pretty high level. But um, ultimately, um, you know, dreams change or priorities change, and um, yeah, it just changes. But I actually have a question for you because I think um, what you do is very, very unique in which that – a lot of people have been getting into podcasting or esports, whatever it is, but you've been doing this for a, a decade. So I guess my question to you is, in, in terms of that tenacity, um, what what has kept you going and uh, for 10 years of, of working on this? And, and where have you pivoted and where have you stayed uh, tenacious? So for me, uh, it's been a lot of fun because, like you said, I'm just insane. I love to talk. <laughs> uh, my... Um, just a real quick backstory. I couldn't talk for like a year of my life because wow. I had a, I had a tracheotomy when I was very young, and oh. so the joke has always been that once the trach came out, I never shut up because I'm making <laughs> up for a year that I couldn't talk. <laughs> and so I just love to talk and having a, having an outlet, you know, to be able to talk and talk to other people and get to know people and make connections. I'm a very big extrovert. This whole quarantine has been just killing me. Yeah. <laughs> I just love to go out and talk to people. So yeah, that's really what it is. And it's the passion. It's the desire to want to make content that people listen to. And honestly, I feed off of like giving that random discord message. Hey man, that was awesome. Way to go. That's all I need. Like, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, I know I'm doing something good when you tell me, you know, when you, you give me a thumbs up or a like or whatever it may be. So I'm hoping that, you know, other people can find that kind of passion and do their stuff. And as well as with the, uh, your guys's YouTube videos. And I've seen Sam do the same thing, right? He, he just loves making content and I'm sure that's what drives somebody to, uh, work on your team. Yeah. Well, Sam and I actually don't work on the same team. He's in a different department, but I try to convince him to <laughs> to uh, brainstorm with me as much as possible. I try to steal him away. Well, and I would too. He's a great guy. So let's talk about 
that that whole insanity thing, getting this to the point of where you're at today. Because I, like I said, like I've told you before, I want people to have an understanding of how others have gotten to that role in esports that they, you know, that coveted. I'm getting paid from esports, right? And so I want to hear about your journey or your story where that all started. Yeah, I think um, I didn't always want to be in esports. I think I wanted to be a lot of different things. I think, like I said, it was baseball, then it was films, then it was music, then it was acting, then uh, producing, all, all these different things. Um, so esports kind of came later in life for me. I grew up very much a gamer of uh, kind of consoles with Super Nintendo or um, NES. Um, but also my dad worked at Merck Pharmaceuticals. And whenever uh, he would come home, um, people would leave their desktops outside in the hallway because they would get new computers every six months. So my dad would bring home, you know, an 80 megabyte hard drive or, you know, <laughs> a couple megs of RAM and that kind of thing. And then oh, yeah. we piece together like this Frankenstein computer. And so basically in our in our basement, we would have like eight or 12 computers building at any given point in time, some with PC uh, boxes of plywood, others with actual proper cases. Um, and, you know, I played Commander Keen in these five inch uh, floppy disks and back in the day of aging myself. But in that process, like, um, it was weird because my parents limited um, uh, console time, meaning Super Nintendo. They also limited TV time. But computer time was unlimited. Hmm. And so for me, that was just kind of this highway of – I remember when I just figured out DOS prompt. I was like, oh, my gosh, I am hacking the internet with <laughs> DOS prompt. CD backslash. Um, but C I think, CD Doom, right? Like D Doom Wild yeah, to start. Yeah. I remember all that stuff. Yeah, you're, you're bringing me back too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I remember in in school, um, um, we we had this program um, for for kids. It, it's 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 a, I'm a giant narcissist. Anyways, it was a gifted program in which that basically um, a section of your day you would just go to this gifted room. It's so narcissistic or uh, pretentious. But anyways, they let us basically read books and play with computers when computers were still kind of like a newer thing. And we played um, uh, what's it called? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego and uh, Oregon Trail and and all that stuff. So for me, like. Computers were always kind of in the beginning of my life in which that it was free reign and I had the most exploration. But fast forward into um, high school and then in college, it became much more of like a performance-based thing in which that I really started groups, um, a dance group, uh, a film group, then a um, acapella group. And um, and then when I got into college, um, then got in from uh, into business, but then acting and then films. Um, but all the while, what happened was my freshman year, I played so much Diablo 2 and World of Warcraft that um, I stopped going to classes. And it kind of became a decision of like, all right, I can continue to be a hardcore gamer or I can actually like finish school. And so that's kind of when I dropped out of gaming for a, for a good while. And I really focused much more on the uh, performance and also the film production stuff. So anyways, uh, fast forward, um, out of college, did all, the whole acting thing. Um, uh, performing thing and then i ended up producing um with a friend of mine andrew napier and then sean christensen and we had done a really good job of making some films for zero dollars up to fifty thousand dollars and uh one of them got into tribeca and another won an oscar and from that it just kind of catapulted everything into the next level but while that process happened before um all the accolades came Andrew Napier pretty much handed me that project, but also handed me um, a job with the Young Turks. And so I was the seventh employee, and really there was toilet water dripping on the on the, the computers. It was really a startup startup. And so uh, Jenk, Jesus, uh, JR, Anna, Dave, Steve, um, Andrew, uh, Tom Hank, um, it, was, it was really just the beginnings. And from that um, – you know, I was this kid fresh out of school, um, you know, making movies and uh, doing performance. And all I wanted to do was just be a part of a creative group making stuff. And at that point, Jenk uh, was at MSNBC and he actually uh, decided to quit out of principle in which that uh, the story goes is that uh, the head of MSNBC, the head of MSNBC told him that you have to play ball and you have to stop being so aggressive in certain uh, topics. And then he quit. And there was there was this sort of purpose and that is something in which that like still sticks to me to this day which is whenever you're a part of something that's bigger than yourself you just it everything is justified and you would just want to work your butt off and so ever since that moment i always spent every waking moment in that studio um 
doing 10 different jobs, working 16 hours a day, um, developing shows, casting talent, hiring new staff, um, and building new studios, upgrading studios, um, helping with business partnerships, um, all that stuff. And so basically, they let me run wild because I was just this kid doing everything that I could, you know, get my hands on. And uh, over time, it grew to, to about 75 people and building multiple studios and um, building multiple shows and, and casting all the, the the talent and also the staff and and infrastructure and, and uh, systems engineering. It was so much fun. It was I got to go spend a bunch of other people's money and go build. <laughs> and so that was just, um, you know, a golden era of my life for about five years that um, it was just no hold, holds bars uh, growing in the time in which that multi-channel networks like Maker Studios, Awesomeness TV, uh, were all just building this big bubble. But part of my job was also to kind of look out for what the next thing was. And so uh, a friend of mine, Patrick Ryan, uh, who's uh, cousins with uh, Dan Vega, the bassist of my band, Mark Richardson, the Change, check it out. Um, he he talked to me and, and, and we wanted to work with each other because I photographed his wedding and we're like, we really like each other. We want to work with each other. And he said, have you heard of esports? I said, absolutely not. And this is back in, uh, I forget the dates, maybe 2014. Um, and anyways, from that moment on, um, it was a giant excuse to just work with him because I think a core component of how I work is I like working on projects as an excuse to work with people that I really like. Um, and I really like Patrick. And so we worked together for about a year of um, kind of creating these different things like esports maybe. And part of that, I created this thing called esports in a nutshell. And f the reason I did that was I was still working at the Young Turks. Uh, I, I pitched it to Jenk, and he was like, nah, I'm not really sure about esports. And same thing with Rick, who is uh, in charge of the TYT Sports. And it just wasn't really fitting into the ethos of, of that brand. So, But I still felt like there was something there. So I spent uh, all my weekends, my nights, and maybe a little bit too much time in the morning as well researching what esports was, watching VODs of Rainbow Six and um, League of Legends, Dota. Uh, you name the game, I've watched probably a thousand hours or more of the most obscure games. Um, Heroes of New Earth uh, back in the day. Um, oh, Heroes of New Earth. And, yeah, I almost yeah. forgot about that game. That, that, yeah. Heroes of New Earth, that was the one that was trying to – was that the one trying to compete with League in the very beginning? Am I, am I yeah. thinking of the so right one? So basically it was the – it was the uh, – uh, Warcraft 3, but then, shoot. Uh, anyways, the, the the mods of Dota, Dota All-Stars, which was the amalgamation of all the different um, uh, mods from the maps. And then that's when uh, Dota uh, was created, Dota 2 with Ice Frog, but then also right. it split off into Heroes of New Earth and also League of Legends. And there's a whole big drama about that, which uh, I did make a video or two on that, which is pretty fun. Um, so, so anyways, after that, um, I started to realize that um, Dot Esports was around... Um, but ESPN wasn't there. Yahoo wasn't there. Um, a lot of other, uh, outlets weren't there yet. And so what I was doing was I was skimming so much stuff to be able to find something that was actually useful. So in a week's worth of finding material, I felt like there was like a page or two of valuable information. So I thought, all right, well, I just want to present this and I'm going to have fun with it. So I would have, uh, I would write parody songs and I would just try to insert humor but ultimately it was a condensed version of helping other people who didn't really know what esports was um, understanding the scene at a granular level but also from a high level as well so um, what I found is you know uh, it was mostly friends and family but it also caught the eye of a lot of other people in the industry because at that time esports was really start really hard to kind of communicate what the heck it was so um, I did that for a while, and it ended up um, getting the attention of a couple people, including um, Rick Ling and Jonathan Lin at Instant Esports. And also, uh, I want to give – I was just thinking about this. Uh, with ESL, um, James Lamkin gave me a gig to host the IEM uh, Katowice, which then I met a bunch of other people from Riot and had a wonderful time. So thank you, James Lamkin, for that uh, intro and that, that gig, and Chobra as well. Oh, but yeah. then from there – Sorry, uh, yeah, I, just, I, 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 I know Chobra very well. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ch Chobra's a yeah. really great guy. And, and, and I saw that he was also him. on your show. And, and uh, yeah, and so he was one of the first people I interviewed when I got into Blitz as well. So with Instant Esports, Jonathan Lin and, um, uh, Jonathan Lin and uh, Rickling uh, basically said, hey, you know, like your stuff with Esports in a Nutshell. Um, do you want to potentially make content? And that was kind of pretty much the purpose from the very beginning, which was, I had done a couple other side gigs, but ultimately I turned down a job with uh, 
wait, I don't think I'm allowed to say a company. Anyways, it was a very large multi-channel network <laughs> in which that I was going to run the digital division while they um, expanded into the film and TV. And then I would then kind of um, oversee that as well. But it was going to be more of the same of what I had done before. And I just didn't really feel like I, I felt like it was more of the same. And I didn't really want to just have more people and more stuff, but it was more of like, where am I going to really learn? Where am I going to, you know, develop? And esports was just that thing where I love being the dumbest person in the room. And so I went from the youngest guy and the smartest guy into the room in, in many occasions to the most stupid idiot, you know, and also the oldest guy in the room as well, ironically. Um, and I love that. I love being uh, put in that place. So anyways, with Blitz, um, instant esports, uh, Jonathan Lynn and, and also Joanna and, and, um, Oh my gosh, I'm going to forget everyone's name. But anyways, Sean. Um, ah, anyways, that whole crew, and I'm terrible, but please understand that, yes, I love all of the Bliss people. Thank you. Sorry. Shocker. Anyways. And et cetera. All, all of those yeah, yeah. Um, so went to San Francisco and basically gave a 10-hour presentation to them. And, you know, Rick just tore it apart. and was like, oh, this is this, this and that and the other thing. Uh, because guess what? Like, they are incredibly intelligent. They're all, like, for the most part on the Discord team. And if you just look them up, they are, like, they are some of the best people I've ever worked with, hands down. And um, also, like, one of my favorite uh, CEO bosses of all time. He was 24. Um, yeah, so awesome, awesome group. So anyways, after doing that presentation, uh, pretty much it was like a week later, flew out, and then built a studio and started doing interviews. Um, and that was kind of the process that I learned of how to learn esports on a more uh, in-depth way, which was finding people like what you're doing right now and interviewing them, uh, researching them, and then asking them questions I was genuinely interested in. And I also brought in my audiovisual um, expertise, is, which is why like, uh, it started to catch the eye of a lot of people of this is different. And I think it was kind of scary going in and being like, yeah, I'm just going to do interviews. But it was like, oh, well, you know, Travis does that or like, you know, this or uh, Thorin does that. And I was like, yeah, but I'm going to try to make it better. And so I think that I did a pretty good job of that. And I think the look and feel then started to attract really amazing people like uh, Sharon came in, uh, Mark Reyes and, and Alex, uh, uh, you and Monahan and and uh, Josh and just, oh my God, forget, I'm going to forget everyone. But anyways, uh, that core idea of um, really just creating the best thing and creating life's work then started to attract really, really good people. And it just snowballed. And it was just so much fun. Um, of just, um, and even Rick Ling, who was there, there pretty much the whole time would do translations or would do thumbnails. And it was all just this giant group of, we're all in this together and we trust each other. Like trust was not even a question. It was just there. And it was just trying to figure out like, what is the best way to make the best stuff that we get excited about? And yeah, for, for a year, that was just, uh, how it went. But, um, anyways, I'm going to pause for a second. Cause I realized that I just like went in a trance for like 20 minutes <laughs> no I, I, you know what's funny is I, i'm sitting here listening to you i'm taking notes while we're talking um as i do with every time that i'm interviewing you one and you really you, you're knocking all my questions out of the park which is ph phenomenal uh but what makes me laugh is that uh, you start talking about interviewing people and trying to figure out you know what questions you're going to ask them how are you going to do this how are you going to do it better than somebody else but then and and it's great when i can finally talk to somebody that just goes for it uh, and, yeah. and I don't have to coerce them or talk or try to get them to, you know, tell me things. And and so yeah. I appreciate it, man. You can, this is the point where I say, just keep going. You're on a roll and, and I've got plenty of questions to ask you at the end. Yeah, you're welcome. And I think that's the, the fun part about interviewing is one, you just, you, you learn from different people's perspectives, but then two, like, it's just a genuine, like, it's nice to talk to people. And I, I think that I found that I'm very much an extrovert and an introvert in which that it, it, it scratches and satiates both needs, which is I get the introvert part of I love research. When I was in school for acting, um, my favorite part about the job was researching of why this person thinks and feels and acts this way. And so I get to do that with with interviews. Um, but then the extrovert part of me um, loves to just talk to people. Um, so I'll just ramble on more. Um, so Blitz was amazing. Um, then um, – my boss, Rick, um, I kind of knew that um, as far as a third-party media company, I kind of um, saw through what I had originally envisioned, but also it grew beyond what I envisioned as well because that's the beauty of like when you bring on people who are better than you, they push it further than you know you ever could. And you have and to that's what to keep I felt. up with them, right? 
Like, exactly. You, you feel like you're being pushed, and, and I have that. I have a lot that I can I can relate because I have a lot of that with my day job. It was sink or swim when I started, and if I didn't and if I didn't swim, right, I, I was SOL. I got to keep my family afloat. So I love that. I love being challenged around other people that are going to force you to uh, be better. And and I think that's another reason I like esports and whatnot because there's a lot of talented individuals and it's it's very competitive. And if you're not competitive with them, then you know you're not gonna you're not gonna make it, right? Yeah. And so I just remember, um, you know, I talked to my boss, Rick, and actually he pulled me out and he's like, I can see you're bored. And I was like, yeah, he's like, I also I also like I need to be working at like 100 percent at all times. And and I kind of didn't quite know what to do. But I also kind of knew that, especially with the Young Turks, it, it is an ebb and flow. It requires you to take a step away, you know, contemplate, meditate, write out plans and then finally then come back into society and then execute. And at that point with Blitz, I kind of uh, stepped back a little bit, you know, just mentally and thought about, like, what is the next step? But I think what I saw is the team of people that were there um, were really the future and not necessarily me. And I didn't quite see my part in the equation. And, you know, Rick is just one of the nicest guys. He just said, he's like, well, you have a home here. Like, we want you here. And, you know, as long as you want to be here, like, you know, you have a home here. And, like, to this day, it's just what a wonderful thing to say of me telling my boss is like, yeah, I don't know like really what to do. And I don't feel that useful. And for him to just say like, yeah, we want you here. So um, that was really just a, a golden time uh, in my life and still like to this day, uh, still wear all the blitz stuff. Um, so anyways, um, realize that I think working with an org was kind of the next step for me. It was either that or a developer because primarily access to players um, and coaches and being able to tell those stories and the, uh, those narratives. And being in it. So um, I had um, talked to a couple companies or a, a company actually reached out to me. Um, it ended up not working because uh, long story short, I don't need to go into it. The The leader of that company and I just didn't quite see eye to eye. I think the, the investor of that company uh, knew me for a long time. And he was the one who said, like, we, we need Mark on, on this team. But when it came to... Uh, matching in the vision with the CEO, it just wasn't the right fit. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just kind of like somehow that's that's how it works out is that you can have an amazing person, but it just may not be the right fit for this point in time. So um, so anyways, um, then, then it was kind of like, all right, well, what org do I want to work with? And I kind of had a short list. And um, long story short, I ended up uh, meeting up with Cloud9 and – I went there and I sat down with uh, Jack and I just kind of said, you know, here's who I am. Here's what I want to do. And, you know, I, I've got other people on the list that I want to see. But um, ultimately, like, I really believe in the brand that you built and I want to be a part of it. And I can uh, start uh, tomorrow if you want. And he just said, yep. All right. Let's see you tomorrow. And we just started. And within like a month or two, I think within two weeks, I bought a bunch of equipment and we started doing the seven minutes in Cloud9 series, which was a discussion um, base, which was really satiating my need that I've had for so long, especially with Blitz, was being able to really sit down with not only one person, but multiple people of the team uh, and for an extended period of time. So it was just like a dream come true within like the first two weeks to be able to have these uh, more in-depth conversations with a whole team of people um, because I couldn't do that with Blitz. And you know, that, um, that seven minutes, of, I remember that series uh, or going through it when it was on there and it's... It, I like we were talking earlier about trying to find that niche or that uh, you know thing that helps people really get to understand uh, what's going on. I guess, it, or you know what what takes hold. Excuse me. Um, and and I and I like that series because I've always been interested in the behind the scenes stuff. You know more of the player story. Let's see these are real people. These are real. I don't want to call them kids, but these are teenagers. These are young adults playing the game, and it's nice to you know have uh, that kind of you know behind the scenes look, right? And so something like that, uh, you don't see you don't see much of that. Uh, around here is really besides what maybe what ride is doing yeah and they're really really smart people like i think that's the thing especially with league of legends and other games as well these people are really 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 smart um and so to be able to have conversations with them like i have to catch up like even to this day like i know most of what they're saying but i still can't catch up fully and whenever i have share it with friends and family they're like i have no idea what's being said but you know it sounds interesting so i i think that's kind of been also trying to figure out it's like what what can i do that no one else can do or at least you know what's uniquely me and i think part of that is bridging between the the layman and the expert 
and not dumbing it down, but also almost kind of coming from, you know, I don't know everything. And, you know, I am somewhat of a layman, even though I am kind of an expert as well. Um, so it's just fun. Like, to be honest, like, since Cloud9 and now also with Golden Guardians, like, I just like hanging out with these people and just learning from them and and seeing them develop and grow and, and understand. And it is very much like it's an emotional, philosophical, um, you know, intellectual, physical, like, strive and competition or just self-competition to be the best that you can be. Right. And I love that. I love being able to figure out how can I be the best me so that I can be better for other people. And I think, you know, in thinking about my philosophy and like how I operate, um, there are certain key pe people in my life who um, and just, you know, moments in my life that really hone down my life philosophy to like one thing, which is I want to make life better for other people. And that's very easy to say. And of course, oh, everyone wants that. But at first, that comes with being able to take care of myself. And that is physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, financially, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then once you have that, then you're able to extend that to maybe one person, another people, whatever. And so I think that's um, in that process, I think there's a lot of extraction that goes on in esports and talking with players or staff or whatever. And I think it's it's really hard to do. But I, I really do believe that that all interactions can kind of be beneficial for all parties involved. And if that's kind of the goal in mind, um, people start to feel that. And I, I, I'm, I don't always do this. And in fact, I'm sure that I've done the opposite. But like when that gets pulled off, when you do something that benefits the person that you're working with, people feel that. People may not be able to articulate it, but, you know, they just start like working with you a little bit more. And that it's this is a little bit different. And I think I may be a little harsh on esports in general, but I think over time, the scene as a whole has kind of grown up a little bit. Um, the the really, really bad people are kind of like on their way out or out. And people as a whole realize like, oh, I have to be a good person. And that's something that I learned in with um, film production and TV. You keep seeing the same people working on shows because they are the nicest people in the whole world. Because a lot of people can, you know, uh, focus a light or, um, you know, engineer a studio or whatever it is. Uh, actually, that's pretty complicated. But the reason why those people keep getting asked back is because they're just genuinely nice people. They're not just putting on act, but like you just want to be around them. And I think that's something where esports is really tricky because the level of intelligence, um, experience, um, overall, just holistic ability to perform at the highest level is really hard. And so there's a very few amount of people who are able to do that at that level. But then also to then be good people and you know, be trustworthy and loving and kind, that's really hard. So I think the good news is over time, the pool of people to pull from has been increased and the bar of what is expected um, in any sports organization has, has risen. So I think that I've found that over time that in all things, I, I feel like Blitz was this oasis that, you know, shouldn't have existed. But thank you, you know, uh, Jonathan Lynn and Rick Link for making that happen. But as far as esports, like, man, there's a whole gamut of, of stuff and no need to go into it. But what I will say is that, um, yeah, I, I found that over time, um, the people that I've worked with and, and, and now work with now, like, continues to just get better and better. And so I think, you know, fast forward into like now. That's my favorite part is just the people and working with people who, in my opinion, are way better than me in all these different things. And I bring my own, you know, set of skills. But ultimately, like, Sam is way better than me in, in certain things that I'm not good at. And same thing with, you know, Rachel and Jiyun and, and Crystal and Daniel and Justin and Miles and Alex and Johnny when, when he was there. And um, I'm going to – I always forget names, but I'm, I'm going to try to remember everyone. And so, yeah, I, I feel like – uh, for me, um, there was a point in which that I wasn't sure if I was going to be in esports or not, which I feel like apparently is a story that a lot of people have because of a lot of bad things. But um, I think right now, uh, in, in in the end of or the current story that I'm in is I've got a great group of people that I really love just, you know, as people, but also working with. So, yeah, that's my story. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, you don't have a traditional story like other people I talk to, which is also really nice to hear that there's people out there that you, you've you worked with the major studios, you've worked with the, you know, the larger equipment, whatever it may be. And now you're back to kind of like this grassroots uh, movement because you really enjoy what you do. And it seems like 
and I don't know if you agree, but that passion is what is driving esports forward. Yeah, I mean, uh, organizational development, org charts, and uh, you know, building departments, and then training department heads to then work uh, with other department heads, and then Gantt charts, and and building all that stuff. Like, it's a very big ego trip of like, yeah, I I know how to build a company, but ultimately, like it, you know, it the growth is fun, but uh, there's a lot of stuff that like I didn't really like, and so you know, I remember. Dan Fiden, the president of Cloud9, uh, was talking about, you know, he really wants people to be really, really great at one thing and just knock that out of the park. And it's funny because I think a lot of people in esports are are these um, uh, people who are generalists. And, and I am uh, kind of a generalist in many ways. I do have specialties in certain things, especially with kind of content production. Um, but I think that's something that has stuck with me a little bit in which that when I let my ego aside of like, oh, yes, I've, I've built these companies and all this other stuff, it's more of like, what am I really good at and what can I do either by myself or with a really small team and what can I just perform at the highest level? And when I think about it that way, it then kind of boils it down into, great, let's, let's go make the best of wherever we're at and um, make that great. And I think a lot of times I know for myself that I've um, – I still sometimes struggle with this, but I know that especially in the past that I've – done a shitty job at or bad, sorry bad job at oh, is um, is thinking about if this person removed this obstacle from me then I would be able to do so much more but ultimately it's kind of that that's the way li- like life is unfair there's obstacles everywhere <laughs> and you can ask to have those obstacles removed and a lot of times they will remove them but sometimes those obstacles are there because in order to remove them it is so much harder like it's a monumental ask and so that's where you just say all right well uh, all the obstacles that I could remove are removed. Now let's go build the best stuff and let's go build, you know, this team. And I think the other part of it is culture and people and relationships and, um, yeah, building that. I'm rambling now. <laughs> You're fine. Uh, I do want to talk about obstacles a little bit. And this kind of goes with some of the other questions I have um, that. You know, we have an obstacle, giant obstacle right now, um, the COVID-19 quarantine. Everybody yeah. obviously knows about it. It's huge. It's a giant obstacle. And what I find really interesting is that a lot of shows that were doing studios and podcasts and videos and stuff have now all had the transi- transition to work from home. And yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, but have you noticed that sometimes a lot of their quality suffers compared to what all these other grassroots people have been doing? Maybe grassroots is not the right word. But I, I, it's interesting to watch other people try to overcome the obstacles that some have already done, but not take take um what's the word for it not take their advice or whatever it may be right kind of like a chip on the shoulder and I'm, I'm curious is there anywhere from like an organization when you worked in the past is there anywhere to work beyond that obstacle and teach old dogs new tricks does my, uh, does my question the, make sense yeah yeah when i was with the young turks i went up to robert reich's office in san francisco or whatever and you know he's this old guy he was the secretary of uh I forget. Anyways, but he was in the Clinton administration. He's like a, a big uh, secretary of economics. Okay. Anyways, I went up to him and this is a guy who's like, I just need to hit the on button. And so, but, you know, he couldn't get a webcam to work, but you just have to go and just set everything up without them having to do anything. And so I think um, in that instance of teaching old dogs new tricks, it's, I think before I, I was of the mentality of like, it's got to be this perfect quality and whatever. But if you just take a step back and what can be done, there are certain people who are going to be willing to sit on the phone with you and help troubleshoot certain things. But other times it's just like this this webcam and this microphone, you just plug it in and it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and you just kind of work with, do you, have, do you have an iPhone? Great, let's just use that instead. And as far as teaching old dogs new tricks, it's not about looking at people and saying, you need to change. But it's more of like going to where they're at and saying, all right, um, what, what can we do from where we're at and just kind of MacGyvering things together? So what? Is, so speaking of MacGyvering, uh, we got a lot of people out there, people that you and I don't even know that are making videos, that are making content, that are mm-hmm. trying to break into esports, right? Yeah. Um, and obviously you have a team or you've, and you've worked with other teams. Well, now, what do you what kind of advice do you have for anybody out there who's that may not have the same story that you have that is just sitting in their you know room and making videos and trying to get their stuff out there. What do you look for when you try to hire somebody for your team? Um, I think where I'm at right now is different and at different companies and different points of their life cycle, you need different things. Sometimes you need people who are just fresh out of college or high school or whatever it is. And they just want to do anything and just throw, throw their themselves at it until like it works. 
And so sometimes in certain uh, ways, like those are people that you need. Other times you need just like the super expert in the field in which that can come in and just like write up a business proposal and just say, we're going to do this and go do it. There's other times where you have this person who just like does this one thing and they just execute it perfectly and they just want to clock in, clock out. And I used to not like those people because I was like, oh no, I want people to, to grow and develop and whatever. It's like, well, there's also something to be said about someone performing, someone performing at an incredibly high level continuously every day, five days a week. And so those are actually now some of my favorite people. Um, but then there's another type of person in which that I've worked with a lot and it is especially helpful in that, you know, uh, five person uh, growing into like 50 person company, which is the autodidactics, the the people who are constantly trying to learn and develop and, and just be better and um, they will Google things um, just to figure it out. And no matter what problem you throw at them, they figure it out. And so for me, especially in startups, those are the people that I, you know, hire for. And when I was at the Young Turks, I think I interviewed over 3,000 people face-to-face. Um, and the reason why I had such a methodical process was because the resume didn't really always show it, but it was more of the way that you talk to people and the way that they talked about things, their attitude. It You could just tell when this person was a, a person who just solves problems versus this is a person who does you know one thing but they're really amazing at it or someone who doesn't know anything but they're gonna willing to do anything and so i'd say like those three or four types of people are all needed um so as far as like what i look for right now like i have a, I have a pretty small team but at the same time like my team is incredibly talented um, at one or two specific things, but also many other things. And so I, I'm not looking to, to hire one, anyone right now um, because we are on a more limited budget. But at the same time, like um, if I were to be hiring for someone new, it would be someone who is highly specialized and the best at what they do, plus uh, maybe one other thing, plus are interested in um, learning new things and developing because – Everyone on my team is still coming up with new things and we, um, you know, pitch around and, and that's how the growth of our team happens is I come up with an idea or Alex or Justin or Miles and we pitch it and it may be stupid. It may be silly, but like there's something there. And when you kind of have that group of people, that trusted group of people where um, you just trust that, all right, we don't know exactly where this is going to land, but we know that something's there and the act of playing and trusting each other that there's something there um good things happen so to answer your question you know what do i look for uh, in in hiring new people um and people like that um incredible specialists um who are troubleshooters and solve problems so how do anybody out there that's got a small youtube channel they really want to break in you know they're they're do, they're hustling they can show that they're uh, specialized let's say in some kind of graphic order i'm not i'm not too apt on video design as much as i am you know trying to get out there is there anything that somebody who is really trying to break in can do other than just kind of like throw in their highlight reel at every email address under the sun is there a is there an easy way to get discovered out there for esports yeah uh, i think the people who uh whenever people talk to me at cloud nine they're like oh what can i do to work at cloud nine a lot of times um because there was such an like everyone wants to work and everyone wants to work for free or whatever but um the the best advice that i i think i can give for that specific situation is go and look at the company and see the holes and just start making the things that fill in those holes so i remember hearing the story about um who was it? Anyways, um, I think it was Nick, potentially. Anyways, they were talking about CLG and how um, one of their analysts started by just sending six pages of notes to Hotshot of saying, like, here's what you can do with your team. And <laughs> um, I don't know if you can still do that now, but it's just that idea of just start doing the work and um, start making things that people actually need or want. Um, but if if I'm a video person and I see, let's say, Team Liquid – and they have a great production when it comes to video production. And if I start making videos for them and say, hey, look at this cool video, um, it may not be really helping. That may get you in and may get their attention, but it may not really augment you know, a weakness. Instead, it's kind of like gets drowned out by maybe one of their strengths. But let's say it's a startup company in which that it's a, a university esports team and their graphic is really bad. They have no video. Well, then just make them a graphic and just say, hey, here's a logo for your YouTube channel, whatever. And also here's a video I made from your highlights, you know, and using your your players. And so I think it's 
if you're trying to break in, don't try to, you know, compete with the absolute top people, but instead find the holes, find the things that people are in need of and people who want help and help those people. And then from there, you kind of build your resume up from there. That's going to lead me into the next question. A lot of people talk about working for free, and you just mentioned doing that. Do you feel like that is a good way to break into eSports? Do you feel that more people should be working for free? Do you feel that there's a negative stigma behind it? You see how I don't want to trap you, but I'm trying to get an answer for the work for free thing? (laughs) Yeah, so I have a very strong feeling on this, which is I do not – and uh, I'm sure if anyone listens to this and I messed up and I I did this once – Ever since the Young Turks, I have strongly disagreed with ever bringing on anyone for free because at the very least paying the minimum wage because it's it's um, it's negative. And especially in Los Angeles, you working for free means that you are going to uh, go broke and your life is, you know, unless you have, you know, rich parents or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I I hate it. Like I have an adverse re- um, reaction to it. And I know that. A lot of people do believe in it and whatever. And to be fair, the reason why I did the films that I did and the, a lot of other stuff that I did, like I did it for free um, because I really wanted to work with those people and those projects. And to be fair, a lot of the stuff that has brought me to where I'm at now is for free. That said, be selective with that because um, I – because it by me saying I don't want to bring on anyone for free also forces me to say – um, is this person really worth my time? Um, because also managing someone uh, at that level takes time. Mm-hmm. And especially when you don't have that many resources. Um, um, yeah, it, it takes time. So the way that I see it is if someone comes, comes to me and they really want to work for me or whatever, um, in the past, I remember with, um, was it Rick Strom? I think it was Rick Strom. Uh, no, 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 it was, uh, man, I'm gonna, uh, Jason. Jason, Jason Rubin, man, I forget names. Anyways, Jason <laughs> Rubin, he was a uh, kid. He was still a senior year in, in college. And he reached out to me saying, I really want to work for TYT. And I said, well, I'm not going to, and he's like, I'll work for free. And I was like, you're not going to fly out from New Jersey to work in LA. It's like, at the very least, I'll pay you minimum wage. And so, but I had to get budget approval for that. So we got all that, whatever. But still, that's like not, nothing when it comes to the amount of work they put in. He didn't get overtime. Um, and he was really great. Um, and so- because I could feel that he wanted to work so badly and then he delivered, he ended up being a full-time employee. But for me, I try not to deal with those people unless I know they're going to be potential full-time employees because that's my time as well. All that said, a lot of times people still have that desire to do this. And especially with Cloud9, I felt that and I saw that. And my recommendation for those people is to go do work for free but make it public and at C9 or at the company that you're trying to get the attention to. And then that way, you're doing work for free, but people can see that it's you. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, that's perfect. And your thoughts really do mirror mine uh, because, uh, for for example, for me and and working with Monty, we – a lot of the people that have made it big now worked for us at one point in time, and they worked for free. But – uh, and I hate to say it, they worked for exposure. So I'm really torn on yeah. that question all the time. But at the same time, you there in, and this is my opinion. I think you have to start working for free in some way. And it sounds like, you know, kind of like the same thing, tweeting at the team, putting it out there, you know, maybe put a, tr- you know, your watermark on it, whatever it may be. You're working for free, but you're still working for where you want to go and trying to get somebody to show you it. So in my opinion, you kind of have to work for free in this industry to at least start but working for yourself for free, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So um, I, I, liked, I, I like your thoughts beyond that and whatever it may be. Um, a couple other questions while we wrap this up here. Uh, what kind of – we talked about obstacles. How has it been taking an eSports – not necessarily startup, but an eSports team um, – that's you know funded by a NBA company, and then trying to get out there and, and you know make it on YouTube and get your videos out there and get people to look at them. You know what's it what's it like working in that kind of you know ecosystem? You mean with the NBA team that that owns a yeah the, sports org, right? Because I know that the uh, the Golden State Warriors owns the Golden Guardians, right? And so I, yeah. I, I from behind the scenes perspective, is that kind of like hey, we made a subdivision. Do you guys just kind of go do your things, or do you see a lot of help um, from you know the parent company? 
I think both. I think, um, you know, I came in later. So I know that the first couple of years that they came in, I think it was extremely hands-on because they were just still figuring out like what the heck this is. But then since then, it's kind of been a little bit more hands-off. And I know that for the most part, Kirk, who's uh, the owner, and also with other people, I don't know how much I can say. But anyways, yes, sure. the, the people who essentially are on the board um, have kind of empowered uh, Hunter to then empower uh, Danan and Daniel to kind of run uh, Danan the competitive side and then uh, uh, Daniel for the operation side. And from there, um, it's what I found is everyone wants us to succeed. And whenever there's an opportunity to kind of work together, like people get excited. And also like there's, uh, you know, we have watch parties with the NBA uh, people and especially now with uh, coronavirus. Um, more people from the NBA side have been like um, excited about watching the hmm. esports stuff. Um, so I know that I've been incredibly encouraged of saying like, "Hey, reach out to them, you know, get their help." And so uh, I think, I think um, for me and my personal experience, I think that I I'm still trying to figure out more ways of having excuses to work with um, the NBA team. Which is, by the way, like how wonderful is that to have you know, uh, the Golden State Warriors as uh, an ally or as an investor in which that we're right. able to go to them for resources. Um, so I have not quite figured out how to work with them as much as I would like to. But I think that over time, um, through different people within the org, in which that I, you know, uh, interface on probably on a weekly basis, sometimes more, um, I'm really excited to kind of ramp that up. But I think it, it is kind of like a two-pronged approach, which is um, – They've empowered us to kind of build up this this startup, but at the same time, continue to try to figure out the opportunities to tie that into, you know, the mothership, which I don't know if I'm at liberty to say, like, all those plans. But, yeah, that's that's the goal. No, that's fine. And that's really uh, all that matters. I was always curious how what it was like, uh, you know, if it was kind of like we are super invested or we just see this as some kind of way, make money here, go, you know, go make this work for us. Very much in my opinion, I think ultimately um, – the well, well, two things. I think Kirk Kirk is just a a gamer at heart. Like he he played, uh, I think it was StarCraft or whatever. Like uh, not quite competitively, but like you know, amateur wise. And you know, uh, he he loves it. And he was in way early, in which again, I, I don't know how much I can disclose, but like he was in really way early. And he, this is a passion thing. It's not just an investment, but it's a passion. But also, he like a lot of other people see the parallels between the sports audience and the esports audience. And so I think that. We're all figuring it out. And um, yeah, in my opinion, it's really nice to have someone like uh, Kirk invest and be able to support, but also allow the freedom to be able to explore um, with the support of the mothership, as I like to call them. Well, rock on. Um, one last question here, since uh, yeah. we're kind of like reaching up on that hour. And uh, wh wh um, how do I phrase this? You are obviously you're making video content for the Golden Guardians. How is it? What is the obstacles that you have to overcome, and how are you overcoming making videos that people want to watch at the target audience? Um, and and how do you also look at and and decide what is my target audience for these videos? Yeah, well, it's the first thing is is that it's always uh, you know fewer resources, fewer people. So the first thing is just the obstacles of you know less resources to be able to, to produce. Then the next kind of obstacle is, um, um, you know, our, our team is not uh, top four. Uh, we're not necessarily a winning team, and so because of that, um, you know. Uh, it's great when you're on a winning team and because everything all, you know, the tide rises all, all ships and, you know, when C9 is winning, you know, when you're on a winning team, guess what? Like all your content does well. It's not necessarily you. Right. Um, so I think that's where the obstacles are being okay with knowing that, all right, this is not getting great viewership right now, but um, still building. I think, I think my mentality and, and our team's mentality is, it's kind of having a, a combination of like the blitz and the you know the the org side, which is the blitz idea of let's go make something that stands alone, regardless of the team or the name. Let's make content that people want and that's valuable and that makes people's lives better within that community. But then the other part is really telling the story, building the narrative, building the the values and showing the values, living the values and then showing the values. Mm -hmm. I think that is another hard part. Is that you know when when you talk about brand values and, and what we stand for it's also living it it's so easy to just say yes we stand for this and this and this but then when you look at it you're like oh yeah i need to do this and um 
So yeah, I, I see the obstacles as you know limited resources, which is always the case. If oh, if I only have more, it's like of course. Then the other is you know have a, t- a team that's not quite winning, which then therefore a lot of people then don't see you as an authority figure. And then um, yeah, I guess those are the two main obstacles. Yeah, I guess I guess that's it. <laughs> that, I get it, and and I'm sure it's even more difficult now with the quarantine and making it harder to you know. I know we have. I see ways. it as an opportunity. That's right. You I did mention that. Go for yeah. it. I want to hear how you. Why do you see this as an opportunity? While others may see it as some kind of hindrance. You know, we all are driving. We get two and a half hours of, of drive time back a day, so we literally just have two and a half hours more uh, time of work. Um, one, two. A lot of times, um, a lot of the work that we do is is deliverables, like just simply. Um, editing videos or making making stuff and so because of that you know we love having people like come by and say like oh that's really cool and like talk and and bother us as i say but the fact is uh, you know we get more work done when we're not bothered but also on the flip side the extrovert in me is like misses being bothered all the time because i love being bothered i love you know um having those sparks of ideas and, and stupid conversations because i don't know it just improves quality of life and sometimes it also like helps the transfer of ideas um so i think the the biggest thing is we were really excited about a certain series that um, we really, really just felt like, all right, we're getting momentum. We're, we're, we're on it. We're on it. And then, you know, coronavirus hits. And it's like, oh, we can't do any practical shooting anymore. And that really sucks because it was something that took a long time to kind of build up. And then it's like, all right, you got to stop now. So it's a double-edged sword. We get more work done. We are still continuing to develop and, and, and do work. Uh, but there are certain things in which that we are limited to and, and, you know, suck a little bit, but we'll get back to it. Sure. Yeah. Eventually. Hopefully, eventually we all make it back to that point. Uh, Oh, which, by the way, sorry, last thing is is I am so grateful. And I know a lot of my friends um, just on a financial level, uh, some health, but for the most part, like financial level, this is not an easy thing. And um, I I do want to say, like, how lucky are we um, to have um, a job and a company that are able to allow us to continue to do work? Um, And that's scary. And I just count my blessings of of that every day. So it is uh, an anomaly in the, in this world right now. And just really grateful for that. And I feel you, I'm in the same spot. I, I, while I, while my, uh, you know, money-making job is not in esports. I'm very blessed to have a job that allows me the flexibility to do what I need to do with my family. I've got three kids I got to chase around all day. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, be have the flexibility to be able to work and chase my kids and work and just kind of like do all these odd hours, but make sure as long as the mission gets done, right, then everyone's happy. Yeah. So uh, I totally feel you there. Well, Mark, I think that that pretty much wraps it all up. You you literally blitzed through all of my questions uh, and then and they left me scrambling, which is great, though, because that, you know, keeps me on my toes and then I can get more information out of you. Um, can you kind of give me a rundown of where people can find your work and, you know, what to look for maybe in the future if you can divulge any information? Sure. My, my Twitter is kind of like uh, I usually post things there. Uh, you can look me up on YouTube for all the crazy stuff that I've done on my LinkedIn. But for the most part, Twitter is probably the, the main thing. Is that at Mark Register? Yep, I think it's Mark underscore register, something like that. Okay, and for the the Golden Guardians, is that just the the YouTube, the YouTube channel? Is there anything cool you guys got coming up with that you can you know talk about or anything that people should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I would just say uh, stick with us. Uh, kind of see we have a lot of things developing, so I'd say um, yeah, check out the YouTube channel. And over the next couple months, you're going to start to see more stuff and better stuff. Great. Well, awesome, Mark. Thank you so much for joining me. And guys, go check that out for the Golden Guardians. Go check out Mark on Twitter. It is at Mark underscore register. I just looked you up <laughs> to confirm. <laughs> um, and and Mark, you've been awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Industry Pulse with Pwn. You can find us at trinityforcenetwork.com. We will see you all next week with another interview. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to my new interview series brought to you by the Trinity Force Network. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash T-Force Network. If you have a question or a comment, you can drop me a line at adamc at trinityforcepodcast.com. For everything else, please check me out on trinityforcenetwork.com or subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Until next time, thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoy all the shows that the Trinity Force Network has to offer.